Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. Previously, we noted that denominationalism that is generally practiced today is not scriptural. Likewise, we saw that the English word church was derived from the Greek word that means the house of the Lord or that which belongs to the Lord. Further, we discovered that this English word church was substituted for the Greek word ekklesia, which means congregation or assembly. Today, we will begin by discussing the fundamental differences of ecclesiastical government between that of the Protestants and the Baptists. It is true that there are many different forms of ecclesiastical government. There are various structures of Catholic governments, such as Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Coptic, and others. A range of hierarchical structures where an overarching governmental structure rules over independent congregations, that is, Methodist, Pentecostal, Assembly of God, and such like. Then there's congregations where a ruling body of ministers, generally designated as elders, that rule over the congregations. And then is a form where a group of people meet together and virtually have no organized structure of government And yet, such groups still follow the leadership of one or more individuals. Obviously, there are many different shades of governments in between these extremes. However, our study is primarily focused on the basic differences between that of the Protestants and the Baptists. Sadly, many congregations today that identify themselves as being Baptists often follow a modified form of Protestant government. Chapter 31 of the Westminster Confession of Faith says, For the better government and further edification of the church, there ought to be such assemblies as are commonly called synods or councils. The confession further states that, quote, magistrates may lawfully call a synod of ministers and other fit persons to consult and advise with about matters of religion and that it belongs to synods and councils ministerially to determine controversies of faith and cares of conscience, to set down rules and directions for the better ordering of the public worship of God and the government of his church, end of quote. Many other functions are described as regarding synods and councils. Also associated with the Westminster Confession of Faith is a document entitled The Form of Presbyterial Church Government. In this confession, as published by the Free Presbyterian Church of Scotland in 1970, 
The, free, uh, the form of Presbyterian church government declares that church government is given under various kinds. After discussing various officers and their duties within a particular congregation, it says, quote, It is lawful and agreeable to the Word of God that the church be governed by several sorts of assemblies, which are congregational, classical, and synodical, end of quote. It should be noted that the word church here, that is in the form of Presbyterian church government, is not capitalized, as in chapter 31 of the Confession. Further, it is stated, quote, synodical assemblies may lawfully be of several sorts, as provincial, national, and ecumenical. It is lawful and agreeable to the Word of God that there be a subordination of congregational, classical, provincial, and national assemblies for the government of the church, end of quote. These assemblies and synods are of various types and may be limited to the congregation or over a group of congregations or over a province or even over a denomination. As with the Anglican Church of England, it would be over a national church and may involve magistrates. All of this is confusing, and I doubt that the average member of such religions is able to understand the functions and duties of each of these different ruling bodies. The 1643-1644 London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 33, says, quote, Jesus Christ hath here on earth a spiritual kingdom, which is his church, whom he hath purchased and redeemed to himself as a peculiar inheritance, which church is a company of visible saints called and separated from the world by the word and spirit of God to the visible profession of faith of the gospel, being baptized into that faith and joined to the Lord and each other by mutual agreement in the practical enjoyment of the ordinances commanded by Christ their head and king, end of quote. Then in chapter 36, it states that, quote, Every church hath power given them from Christ for their well-being to choose among themselves meet persons for elders and deacons for the feeding, governing, serving, and building up of his church, and that none have any power to impose on them either these or any other, end of quote. It is to be noted that in this confession, the word church is capitalized in every place. Even the word churches is likewise capitalized. In the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith and adopted by as the Philadelphia Confession of Faith, in early America in the 1700s, says that, quote, each of these churches 
thus gathered according to his mind, that is, the mind of Christ, declared in his word, he hath given all that power and authority which is any way needful for their carrying on that order in worship and discipline, which he hath instituted for them to observe with commands and rules for the due and right exerting and executing of that power, end of quote. To avoid being further wearisome, I will not give other quotes. Needless to say that the Baptists have a simple form of government in that the congregation has all its authority from the Lord and nothing outside the congregation has any power over it. I might add that we shall further show that there are no auxiliary organizations other than the congregation as instituted by the Lord for the work of propagating the gospel and defending the faith. The only authority instituted by the Lord is the congregation. Now that we have given the basic positions of the Protestants and the Baptists, we shall study the scriptures and see what God would have us to believe and practice. Since the Protestants assert that there are various kinds of assemblies, synods, councils, and other forms of government, governments that rule over the congregations, we shall look at their basic scriptural references and see if these governmental types are supported by the New Testament. We must bear in mind that we are discussing the New Testament congregation and the governmental authority is to be found in the New Testament and not in the theocratic government of Israel in the Old Testament. The first passage given from the Westminster Confession to support synods or councils is Acts chapter 15, verses 2, 4, and 6. These verses are as follows. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. End of quote. <clears throat> While there are other things to consider from this chapter to know the full matter of the situation, let us look at these verses and see what is stated in them. Actually, verse 1 through 33 are to be considered for the full picture. <clears throat> verse 2 makes no sense unless we read verse 1 and the ending verses of chapter 14. Some men from Judea went to Antioch in Syria and were teaching one, teaching one could not be saved unless he was circumcised after the manner of Moses. Paul and Barnabas opposed this teaching. 
Verse 2 says that they determined that Paul and Barnabas and others go to Jerusalem concerning this matter. Who were the they that sent Paul and the others? Obviously, Paul and the others did not send themselves. It was the congregation at Antioch. Verse 4 declares that Paul and the others, and I keep emphasizing that because uh, uh, verse 4, no, verse 2 says that they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem. Verse 4 declares that Paul and the others from Antioch were received not only by the apostles and elders, but by the congregation at Jerusalem. Verse 6 implies that only the apostles and elders consider this matter. Paul and his company were not mentioned in this verse. When we study these verses in context, we find that this was not an independent council or synod separate from the congregation. This was an issue between two separate congregations, Antioch and Jerusalem. The congregation at Antioch sent Paul and the company to Jerusalem since the Judaizers came from there. It is worthy of note that as Paul and the company passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, nothing is mentioned about this church trouble. However, they did declare about the conversion of the Gentiles. We should learn from this. When there are issues between two congregations, the matter should not be shared with others. The principle of Matthew eighteen fifteen, that is, if thy brother offend thee, go and tell he and him alone. But this principle should be followed. In other words, if it's a congregation <clears throat> that's been offended by another, <clears throat> excuse me, congregation, then it should be between those two congregations. Many congregations, as well as their members, would be spared of troubling issues if this practice, if this was practiced, and Christianity would be a better witness to the world. Allow me to say again that this situation was between two independent congregations, and therefore the matter should be settled between them. This was during the early days of Christianity, and the New Testament apostles were still alive and living in Jerusalem and functioning in, and not over, the congregation there. Obviously, their presence gave weight to what was resolved in this meeting. I regret to say that our time is up for today, and we will have to continue with this study in our next podcast. I pray this study is a blessing to you. Farewell. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? 
visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.